The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning. Please do not miss. And assalamu alaikum. It is 10 o'clock, Monday, 16th of December. And you're listening to Shamiza Rashid taking it all the way up to 12 o'clock on Where Else? Inspire FM, of course. It is the Urban Cube show, promising to give you some great inspirational conversations with fabulous guests that are either local, national or international. And what this show is all about is sharing their journeys, their careers, their creativity to kind of motivate you to get involved, engaged or maybe dabble in a bit of creativity because this show is a real celebration of creative connections from all walks of life and also community engagement. Now, as always... The show would love you guys to get involved. So if there's any conversations that we're having and you'd like to have some input, then please feel free to WhatsApp us on 07779481822. Now, um, today is a wonderful day for me because it's a celebration of what can you cover? What, what would you like to eat or what would you cover with chocolate? It's cover with chocolate anything day. Did you hear me correctly, guys? I know I'm struggling to say this because I'm so excited. I am a bit of a chocolate fanatic. So anything with chocolate goes for me. What's the most unusual, unusual thing, guys, that um, you found strangely covered with chocolate? Um, You know, the most bizarre thing for me has to be chocolate samosas. I'm not feeling the vibe there. I don't know. You tell me. I'd love to find out from you. Um, You know there's always going to be something quirky mentioned on this show today. So today is National Chocolate Cover Anything Day, guys. Tell me, what's the most bizarre thing that you've come across, that you've eaten, that's been covered with chocolate? Um, Can chocolate biryani roll? I don't know. You tell me. Um, Would love to hear from you on 07779481822. Now, on today's show, I am super, super delighted to introduce my following guests who are going to hopefully inspire you and engage with you through the world of poetry, theatre and community giving. Because on today's show, I'm not only joined by the very absolutely fantastic Naima B. Robert, a name that you will be very familiar with because she is a friend of the show. From the many years I've been doing this show, Naima has been so gracious in either joining me over the phone or in the studio. And when she did join me in the studio, wow. That was an exciting moment for me because I'm a bit of a fan. I'm a bit of a fan. Um, She is joining me this morning, inshallah, to talk to us about a very, very poignant topic. Um, And she's refining or redefining the word. And that word is divorce. Interesting. Now, we are aware that there is still lots of taboos surrounded by the word divorce and unfortunately we are seeing an increase in divorce across not just all communities but also the Muslim community but there is still there is this still sort of taboo surrounding that the, the word in particular for women women feel that they are not 
maybe they don't feel comfortable saying that they're divorced or they've gone through that process. And hopefully the wonderful Naima B. Robber, who is actually doing a masterclass and redefining the D word, which is an online masterclass. She's actually going to be talking to us about why she has set up this masterclass. And also with Naima, we're going to be talking to her about how to deal with anxiety and stress, in particular around the current political climate. Because I have seen on social media, I have spoken to people and particularly um, not just the Muslim community but across different communities and I've seen across social media there has been some heartache in response to the present political power. There's been joy for many and there's also been heartache for many Um, but there's also been quite a high level of anxiety amongst the Muslim community from what I'm observing across social media. So I'm also going to be speaking to Naima um, about you know how can we actually deal with anxiety and stress um, when um, in the present climate and I'm sure that the tips that she may possibly give will will help in other parts of our lives as well. And the reason why I'm speaking to Naima about this because she is a public speaker. She is also a coach. Um, she's done some fantastic workshops, not just across London nationally, but internationally as well. And she did a really interesting one around parenting, which I missed because I should have been there. Um, so we're going to be speaking to her about that. And for those of you who have just joined the show, mashallah, Naima B. Robert is a multi-award winning author with a long list of amazing story books that she's written, not just for adults, but also for children and teenagers. And she is, she is the, uh, she was, I, I'm going to have to ask her if she's still the editor of um, Sisters Magazine, a magazine that was very, very popular among sisters across the world. And she's also the author of many poetry books. And one of the poetry books that I have the absolute pleasure of um getting her to read from is no other than uh, four months and ten days which is poetry and prose uh, from the idda i bet you're curious to hear more so am i assalamu alaikum naima <laughs> forgive me i was touching during all of <laughs> your your comments and your introduction thank you very much for your kind introduction you, you are always, always welcome, sister. And thank you for doing what you do and, and really encapsulating um, your substance out there um, to the wonderful sisters who really embrace your words. And I'm sure there's lots of brothers that embrace the wonderful words of your writing and these wonderful events that you're doing because you're really out there, girl. You're out there doing your thing. Now that you're in the UK, now you're a mother as well, mashallah, um, um, a wife, mother and very active uh, writer, author, coach as well and speaker. But less of me, more of you. But before we continue, I want to ask you, Sister Naima, it's National Chocolate Covered Cover Anything Day. What's the nicest thing you've had and the worst concoction you've seen covered in chocolate? As I heard you were talking about what today is National Cover Anything with Chocolate Day, um, I was struggling to think of anything, you know, really out there or really different or interesting. I think fruit covered with chocolate is always a good idea. That always mm. always works. <laughs> so any fruit covered with chocolate is always a good idea. Um, but beyond fruit, aside from, I mean, 
if you're going to go about cakes and biscuits and cookies, I think it's too much. I think it's too much to cover them with chocolate. Sometimes, sometimes. I have had a ginger biscuit covered with chocolate. Ooh. Ooh. That's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, it It was good. It was. It sounds good. It really does, guys. If <laughs> if you've got anything to share with us, you know what to do. It's on. It's oh seven 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 nine four eight one eight two two. Now, my darling Naima, thank you so very much for joining us this morning, Mashallah. And um, you're going to be talking to us about this online masterclass redefining the D word. Tell us more. Well. Um... If anybody follows me on um, Instagram or Facebook, then we have bumped into one of the videos that I do. Typically, I'm sitting in my car. Typically, I have been sent a message or I've had a conversation with a sister, and it just inspired me to just come on live and just drop some truth bombs. And um, this has been a current, you know, within our community for a long time. Uh, And you mentioned it in your introduction about divorce. Mm. The thing is that I see sisters I think we may have lost Naima's sister. Can you hear me? We may have to reconnect. Guys, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to myself, Shamiz Rashid. It's nine minutes past ten and we are live on Inspire FM and this morning I'm speaking to Naima B. Robert about the stigma linked with divorce and she's talking to me about an online masterclass which she will be hosting which is about redefining the d word the divorce word so naima is talking to me this morning about that now if you've got any question guys then do contact us on 07779481822 to find out more about this online uh, masterclass that she's doing and also any questions that you might have around divorce or anxiety. Sister Naima, are we back on? I am. I'm back with you. I don't know what happened there. Um, So what I was saying was that I've seen many, many sisters who have been through a divorce and have really suffered from a loss of Mm self-esteem and self-worth and it's a real blow to their confidence. And it's almost as if this is this label of being a divorcee mm-hmm. is is like a life sentence. You know, you're like a pariah. You know, people don't really have sympathy for you. Maybe there's an element of judgment there from people or from the community. And I really, really feel like we have made divorce into something that Islamically it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I certainly want to share my message of hope mm-hmm. and positivity and just taking life and living it to mm-hmm. the full in, in whatever test you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to kind of unpick some of the stories we tell ourselves about what it means to be divorced. And I want to redefine that word because for me, divorce is is like a milestone like many any, any other. Mm-hmm. Not everybody will get divorced, but many people will. That's mm-hmm. a reality. Not everyone will lose their husband, but many people will. Mm-hmm. Not everyone will stay unmarried for the rest of their life, but some people will. 
Some people will not have a child. Some people will have a child with a disability. Some people will have a lot of children in a short space of time. How do we navigate all these challenges in our lives and maintain our sense of self and our sense of kind of confidence in who we are and what we were put here to do? That's what I'm going to be talking about on Friday, inshallah. So tell us when will this be delivered and how can people access this uh, masterclass? Sure, it's going to be online, so anyone anywhere in the world can join. Um, I've made, it's my first masterclass that is specifically for divorcees because mm-hmm. I've noticed that there's just certain, you know, there's, there's certain trials that divorcees particularly go through mm-hmm. um, and certain struggles that they have, you know, with their confidence and, and, and all that kind of thing. So it will be on Friday, 20th of December mm-hmm. at 9 p.m. GMT, and anyone can register for free just by going to bit. Dot Lee, that's L-Y, Fantastic. slash mm-hmm. the D word, capital D, capital W. I know it's a bit confusing. It's a bit, it's a bit complicated, but if you go to any of my social media channels, Naima B. Roberts on all channels, you'll be able to catch the link there as well to sign up. And I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm going to be dropping some truth bombs. I want anybody that you know, make sure that, they, that you send them the link and invite them to come because... It's time that we redefined the and word and redefined that journey. I think it's it's a wonderful service that you're providing and it's a very much needed one because unfortunately I am seeing there does seem to be an increase in the number of divorces happening um, amongst yeah. the Muslim community. And do you have an idea of why that is happening? Um, is that something you'll be discussing? Not really. Um, To be honest, I'll answer your question about why Mm -hmm. I think it's happening. But I just want to make a point Mm -hmm. is that in a way, the circumstances for me don't matter. Okay. Because once you have been through that situation, Mm -hmm. you now have a particular reality to navigate. Okay. So how you got there, not really my concern. Mm -hmm. It's not really something that I'm going to go into because people do spend a lot of time in regret about the past okay. and asking themselves, if I had done this, mm. what if this had happened? Maybe it was because of this, mm-hmm. maybe it was because of that. And one of the things that I tell all my clients is the past is the past. You cannot do anything with the past except learn from it. So this is really about moving forward. That chapter is closed now. Move forward, think positively. And this is what it's about. It's about the next stage in your life and how you're going to embrace that and how you're going to evolve with it. Exactly. And it's also about choosing an empowering mm-hmm. way to look at that chapter. Mm-hmm. Because if you insist on seeing that chapter of your life either with regret, okay, or with sadness or, or like anger or rage or, mm-hmm. you know, just shame, mm-hmm. guilt, all of those negative emotions, you, I want people to know that you have a choice. Mm. You don't have to see it that way. A divorce doesn't have to be ugly. I'm quite open. I just, uh, my, it finished very recently. Um, I, my, my second husband and I separated and it was my decision to not continue in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be very honest about that. Mm. And you know, a lot of sisters feel like they, they're afraid of being judged mm-hmm. because in our community it is expected that the woman is the one who's going to keep the marriage together. And so if there is a divorce, the reason the stigma is on the woman is because culturally she is expected to keep that marriage alive. 
she is expected to do the work to make sure that the marriage continues. So if it doesn't continue and he gives her a divorce, for sure it's her fault. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, in culturally, in many of our communities, this is an understanding. I, I completely reject that. I think it's an outdated cultural way of looking at things. I think it's very sexist. Um, I think it's unfair because a marriage takes two people to work. And if only one person is working in the marriage, then that means that that relationship is un, is out of balance. Mm-hmm. And you typically find that one person is gaining from the relationship and another person is losing. And if you set up our, if we set up marriage for our generation and the next generation as an arrangement in which the woman will constantly be giving and giving and giving and making excuses and covering and sacrificing and the man just kind of has to be himself and and that's fine, then we are setting up a very toxic relationship model for our young children to grow up in because they will model us. And either they will model us or they will see us in these, you know, out of balance, unequal, not very fulfilling relationships Mm -hmm. and say, I don't want that for myself. I'm, I'm not doing this. You know, a lot of young girls nowadays don't want to get married. It's because they've seen marriages in which, you know, it seems to be one-sided. It's like it's for one person's benefit. Everything is for one person, usually the man. And, um, you know, this again, it differs from household to household. It can differ from community to community. But by and large, I see that the weight of any divorce is on the woman, whereas a man can get divorced and get married literally the next week. He will still get a recommendation. He will still have people vouching for him. And there will be still women ready to marry him, even though he just had a divorce. So it's like the divorce is no stain on his character because, you know, obviously if the marriage didn't work out, it's the woman's fault. You know what I'm saying? And it's a stigma that you're trying to remove, inshallah, on this uh, masterclass that you're doing. It's an online masterclass, which is about redefining the D word. Tell us one more time, um, Naima, when is this going to be held and how can people join? It's online and it's free and it's for all divorcees, sisters. And it will be, you can register uh, to join and you have to register to join and get the details at bit.ly, L-Y. Slash the D word, capital D, capital W. So any social media channels, Naima B. Robert on everything, you will find the link there so you can sign up there and, and join us. I think it will be very refreshing and, and, and a real, a new way of looking at this new chapter, as you, mm. as you called it, Shamiza, you know, a new empowering, iman-centric way of looking at your new chapter. And it's interesting you use the word Iman-centric. I like that, this new chapter. Mashallah. Now, um, Naima, you mentioned Idda, and I'm going to ask you uh, about this poetry and prose book that you've Mm -hmm. written, Four Months and Ten Days, Poetry and Prose from the Idda. Why did you write this book? Um, I mean, uh, bring these poems and, and prose together in a collection. Well, um, if anybody was following me on social media about four years ago, then they'll know that my husband of 15 years uh, passed away, Elijah Hamel. And um, I started writing poetry because he, he went into hospital for two weeks. So I started using poetry to kind of vent, I guess, uh, on social media. It was Facebook at the time. Mm. And it just it just flowed out of me. For some reason, writing on a piece of paper didn't do it. 
But when I sat at my keyboard and I and I kind of started, you know, pouring out what I was feeling, the amazing thing was that the aha moment and the healing and the light would 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 appear as I was writing. So when you read the poems in the book, you will see that almost every single one of them starts in a dark place because that's where I was when I started writing the, the poem in this dark place, needing to find answers, needing to find solace. And subhanAllah, by the end of the poem, usually I had found it. So I had put them on social media. People had been so supportive and so amazing. Uh, and then when it was all over, I think maybe um, maybe six months later, uh, after the Idda was over, I decided to compile them into a collection because I know how little, this Idda was the Idda of mourning, mm. and I know how little information there is for widows out there. You would be shocked if you go onto YouTube and you you'd like search for Idda widow. I think there are like four or five videos that come up. Wow. And most wow. of them are like like uh, snippets of a Q&A session mm-hmm. that a sheikh was doing on TV. But there, there was just no resources. You could find some articles to find like the rulings of Idda. But aside from that, there was nothing out there. And so I said, let me put these together. Inshallah, they can be a source of solace mm-hmm. for sisters out there who are going through this. And also, the book is really a call for everyone to value the people in their lives while they have them. Mashallah. Now, Sister Naima, I don't want to rush you too much because we are heading off to a break, but I would love you to kind of recite a a piece from the poetry book, Four Months and Ten Days, Poetry and Prose, from the Idda by Naima B. Robert. Okay, this one is called Catch Me, and there's actually a video of this poem Mm -hmm. on YouTube. So, sweet stoicism stifles the screams, silences the sighs, sinks the soul to numbness. My heart is too hard to hurt. My hands too full to face the sky. My eyes too focused to tear up with wild, willful tears. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me and catch me. When my back finally breaks, when my heart finally cracks, when the tears finally fall, and fall and fall, drowning me and all my patience, strength and fortitude. When the agony of loss threatens to throw me from the cliff, catch me, Lord, catch me. Utterly beautiful. It is so raw and heartfelt. And thank you for sharing that beautiful piece of writing uh, with us this morning, um, Catch Me by Naima B. Robert from her book, Four Months, Ten Days, Poetry and Prose from the Idda. Sister Naima, tell us, how can people access this poetry book? Because I just think it's utterly beautiful. Mm-hmm. It has been um, um, spoken of as being relatable, raw and very deep by your Instagram followers. <laughs> yes, it's available on Amazon. Anybody mm-hmm. can order it from amazon.co.uk. Uh, and there are some uh, videos for some of the poems on my YouTube channel as well. Uh, and I think there's some audio on my SoundCloud. So we've, you know, we have more coming. Inshallah. But, um, yeah, so for now it's on Amazon and they can access other ways as well on YouTube and SoundCloud. 
Naima, I want to ask you about um, anxiety and stress. Um, we've got mm. a couple of minutes left before we head off to the break. Um, there are lots of sisters who are, who've, who've generally been impacted quite tremendously by mm. um, Islamophobia. And we've seen that in the yeah. press. But now, obviously, with the present political climate, there is a bit of anxiety now, um, more so uh, uh, by the Muslim community. So would you, I mean, what would you say to our sisters out there? Now, you're a visibly identifiable Muslim woman, you wear the niqab. Yeah. So how uh, how would you embrace or, you know, what's your day-to-day life going to be like now, do you think? It's going to be exactly the same. Inshallah. Inshallah. It's going to be exactly the same. Um, I, I have traveled widely, uh, sometimes on my own, um, and there are times when you think, I wonder if he's thinking something. I wonder if he's mm-hmm. thinking something. But in general, I tr- I just try to have just this tawakkul and this inner strength, and I strive. And I think we should all strive to not be affected by our circumstances, mm-hmm. because people are people. Doesn't matter who's in government. People are people. And yes, certain situations give people more license to be vocal or even to be violent. Well, but I think for those of us who are going out and doing our thing, if we were friendly before, continue to be friendly. Have a positive outlook. And remember that at the end of the day, everything is in Allah's hands. So it really, it's not befitting for us, I feel, to withdraw, to constrict, to stay indoors, because it's not like we've been taken over by Nazi Germany. It feels like it, but it's not. <laughs> you know, like we don't have the army mm. in the streets, mm. we don't have police knocking on our doors and dragging us away. There is just a climate of fear, but we don't need to feed into that. Inshallah. And I think the more we, the more we kind of have confidence that Allah mm-hmm. is with us, and that at the end of the day, there are good people out there. Project that. Mm-hmm. Project that. Don't go out there thinking, you know, looking for signs of danger, looking for signs mm-hmm. of someone mm-hmm. you should fear, because that that then attracts that kind of attention. I don't know whether that makes sense to anyone. It does. But I find that, you mm. know, people respond to you with the aura that mm. you kind of give off. Mm-hmm. If you are a confident person, you have that warm personality. People are drawn to you. And Shamiza, I know we have to go for a break, but I just want to say, and again, this is my subjective experience, but I have met too many people who have been drawn to me and we sit on the train, on the plane, and talk for sister, hours. Sister, we're heading off to a break now, but yeah. thank you so much yeah. for your words of wisdom. That was Naima B. Roberts. Always a pleasure. The number one radio station for Luton. This is Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Um, I've had an absolutely wonderful conversation this morning with um, the very fabulous Naima B. Robert, mashallah, who is talking about her redefining the D word, which is a masterclass for um, divorcees in particular a masterclass for women to look at the next chapter in their lives and kind of move away from the stigma and anxiety associated with divorce. So this is a masterclass that's actually happening this Friday. And if you do follow Naima B. Robert on her social media, then please do um, check that out. It does seem to be quite inspiring. And I do feel that it will make a massive big difference um, to many, many sisters' lives um, and just really important 
empowering them to kind of move forward in the next chapter of their life and not feel sort of burdened with, you know, this the shadow that might be cast over them just because of what they assume people will think. Now, um, on the show today, I have the absolute pleasure of uh, speaking to another, another wealth of, well, lovely guests, as always. They're always full of wealth, of wisdom, sharing their experiences with us and their local communities. Now, I'm going to be joined by a guest who's going to be... speaking to me all the way from Burton on Trent this morning. Now, he's a um, the chair of a charity called hum- Humanity Unite. And the work of this charity is to reach out to the most vulnerable in our society, and they are the homeless. Now, Brother Zahur Hussein will be talking to us about what they're going to be doing across the winter weeks, the following weeks, again, very cold. It is the Christmas break coming up, and this is where we're finding, as a community, that um, the homeless are the most vulnerable. So, Brother Zahur is joining us this morning to talk to us about the exciting work that he has been doing, what Humanity Unite aims to do in the future, and what are they doing on the 25th of December? I hear that they're actually doing a dinner for the homeless community in Burton-on-Trent. And now a little bit about Brother Zahura, because this is, he's a volunteer himself, so this is his day job, but he's all, he he has another job on the side as well. And I think we'll get him to tell us what it's about. And I wonder if it has anything to do with chocolate, guys, because it is, folks, as I mentioned, it's National Chocolate, Chocolate Cover Anything Day, National Chocolate Cover Anything covered anything day so that basically means um cover anything that you want with chocolate i suppose um we'll find out from him if, if any of that makes sense good morning brother zahur assalamu alaikum good morning Walaikum that's very interesting i actually didn't know it was cover anything in chocolate day today so um i've not actually prepared any response to that other than i have no idea that that was a thing and uh, i might bear that in Please do, please do. Now, I want to ask you, what is the, if you can on the top of your head, what's the most surrealist combo uh, that you've ever come across covered in chocolate? Covered in chocolate? Oh, my God, no, nothing that I could share on this radio station. (laughs) Um, The usual stuff, um, apples, sweets, that kind of stuff, nothing... uh, Nothing that uh, that would interest anybody, I think, particularly. Apples and have you, have uh, apples covered in chocolate. Oh, that that <laughs> reminds me of you know, apple covered in chocolate, toffee apples. That toffee is apples, epic. Yeah, that's, that yeah, is that, epic. I think it, was, it was a derivative of that, and obviously the usual, you know, things like your strawberries and that uh-huh. kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing else. Not not a uh, chocolate um, filled samosa. No, no, God, no, no, never. That I, is bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> It is, yeah, I have heard. Um, I used to work um, uh, in Glasgow, and there is such a thing as a fried Mars bar. So that's uh-huh. actually the other way around. So okay. That chocolate covered in something else, but uh, no, nothing else. Now, 
coming back to the show, guys, this is the Urban okay. Cube. We are not um, some chocolate factory, even though <laughs> it, it would be a great place to be this morning. We're, we're throwing out sweet vibes and we're talking about humanity here and the sweetness of humanity because it does exist, people. And there are some great folks out there doing tremendous work, reaching out to the most vulnerable in our society today. Now, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Brother Zahur Hussein, who is on the line with me this morning and he's joining me all the way is it burton on trent this morning burton upon trent it is from burton on trent yeah that's right and this is where that where you're working on a voluntary basis um with the charity humanity unites which aims to work on the ground with the homeless community mashallah but apart from that you're also working full-time as a freelance it consultant in cyber security sounds uh very very high tech and you you manage a property business you manage property businesses and have other business interests as well but we're going to be speaking about humanity unites this morning tell us brother a little bit more about the the organization or the charity so humanity unites the it's a voluntary organization that was set up uh, i think it's coming on for three years now this is our third year um initially to um feed the homeless people of burton on trent mm-hmm. Uh, it was a one-off event that triggered the setup of this uh, organisation. It was a it was a New Year's event that um, a founding member Mohammed Nabil um, instigated. So on New Year's Day, he booked uh, a restaurant and they donated the food and the venue for the whole day on New Year's Day for anybody that was in need to come and have a free three-course meal. Uh, and that sort of inspired us really to try and take that to the next level and uh, make it a, a regular thing. Mm. So I, I did a little bit of research in Burton-on-Trent, not wanting to duplicate things that were already around. And what I found was that there were services for the homeless and vulnerable people around the Burton on mm. a, a Monday to Friday. So I sort of set myself a target or a vision, if you like, or a mission statement, what, you know, whatever buzzword you want to give it, to try and make sure that anybody that's homeless or vulnerable can get a hot meal mm. seven days a week in Burton-on-Trent. Right. That's where we started. It was a one-off event. And uh, as I said, from there, what we did was we set up a weekly event at one of the local community centres. Uh, a group of us got together between us, our families and our friends and contacts, would then set up a rotor to provide a hot meal. So mm-hmm. say there was four or five of us, but only one of us would be cooking once a month. And that would basically mean every weekend there'd be a service for the homeless and vulnerable people to, to come and eat and have a three-course meal, mingle and talk to people. And what we decided to do was call that a community event rather Mm -hmm. than a soup kitchen or a feed or anything like that. What we decided to do is open it up and have it as a community event. So there was no stigma attached to attending. There was no prerequisite. There was no questions asked. It was almost a a pay-as-you-feel. If you wanted to pay towards the meal that you've had, we were happy to take the donation to help us pay for, obviously, the cost of the venue and, and food and other things. Uh, and if you didn't, you know, didn't want to, that that was fine too. So that that was really where we started. I really like. I really like the fact that you changed the language. You changed that around from not calling it a soup kitchen by calling it a community event. Do you think it's important that we kind of readdress the way we label things to make it a little bit more exclusive? Well, inclusive. 
Ab- absolutely, yeah, and that was exactly why why we did it. Because, uh, as I said, you know, I know people that struggle. They're not necessarily homeless, mm. and and some people don't necessarily even struggle to to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Some some people are just lonely. They want some time with other mm. people. They want interaction. They want to uh, to be able to communicate with people. And and by labelling it in a in a specific way, that would mean that a certain group might feel as if they're not welcome or mm. it's not for them. So having a broader label like that would mean that it was all inclusive and and we do literally get all sorts of people uh, coming in you know community leaders come in councillors come in uh, other people come in just to sort of come and meet people and and, and have a conversation uh, we we did start at one point having little events so we'd have a, a little um, chess competition going a couple of the service users were quite good at chess so we we'd have that set up in one corner we had a little bit of music going on in, in, in the background as well, so that you know there was a bit of an atmosphere there, and it, exactly what we said, you know, created a community event by by putting on these different sorts of things. So, how's the response been in the community? How has it brought people together? It, the response has been really good. Like I said, we do literally have all sorts of people come in. You know, we do get homeless people, we get councillors, we get community leaders, we get. Um, just people coming in off the street, um, wondering what's going on, coming in, mm. sitting down, having a meal, cup of tea, cup of coffee, um, having a conversation. Uh, and uh, it, it really ha- is not just about feeding people. As I said, you know, there are some people that come and they regularly come and, you know, we try to engage with people, try to understand why they're there, what they want out of it. And um, like I said before, a lot of the times it is just somebody to talk to, just something to do on a Sunday morning. And, and that's um, such an important thing, isn't it? Just having communication. I mean, I saw uh, a Facebook feed of a story of a gentleman by the name of Terence who'd spent around, I think, 10 or 20 years Christmas on his own. And right. it was a group of Muslim students that came round to him and gave him a tree and presents. And that gentleman was in tears. He was in absolute right. tears. He couldn't console himself because this was the first time he felt that somebody had actually paid him attention. And these were young Muslim students helping this elderly right. Christian gentleman. Um, and yeah. he was just con- con- just crying his eyes out because he just was yeah. in disbelief. But- and there, this engagement between yeah. Muslim, the Muslim community and the non-Muslim community through Humanity Unites, how important is that? Yeah, extremely important. And you, you've mentioned somebody um, breaking down in tears after, mm. after that sort of engagement. It just reminds me of a story of one of our events. So one of the things I've forgotten to mention is that we do every single week have a barber from one of the local barbers called MGH Barbers. They mm. come every single week and offer free haircuts to wow. anybody that comes to our events. And um, there was a chap who had such long hair and out-of-control hair uh, the barbers gave him a haircut, and I actually witnessed this, and, and it you know, was not life-changing, but it was very significant to see that happen. It made me feel like it was all worth it. The guy had his haircut, stood in front of a mirror after having his haircut, and he just started crying. He said, I've just never seen myself like this for, oh, wow. for so long. I'd almost forgotten what I really look like or what I feel I look like inside, and you know, this haircut has made so much of a difference to me. Uh, you know, so if you're having that sort of an impact, then you just hope and pray that that's, you know, that you are doing the right thing. Inshallah, because um, you don't realise that kindness is free, um, and just that that act, absolutely. a simple act like that, can really make a difference in a person's absolutely. life. Yeah, the, the, 
there's a number of stories I could tell. There's another one that's just come to mind. When we first started setting this up, obviously it was new. Not many people knew about it. So we had to do a little bit of outreach, go out mm. into uh, find out where the homeless people stay at night, mm. make them aware of our event. And there was one one particular service user of ours that he just wouldn't make eye contact with me. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't look at me. He was obviously in his own world. He, you know, mm. he's got his own problems, being homeless. So he turned his back on me. I tried to give him a leaflet, tried to engage with him and say, look, you know, this is an event. You can come tomorrow. It's, this is where it is. He just would not have any interaction with me at all. Um, I, pers I persisted and tried. I think I saw him again a week later. He took the leaflet the second time. And I can tell you about a month later at one of our events, he came and there was some music on in the background and he, and he got up and he stood and he started sort of dancing and moving with the music. And one of our other clients got up and, and they did the same thing. And, you know, to see that change within somebody, mm. somebody who literally wouldn't communicate, wouldn't make eye contact, to come to one of our events and actually be smiling and literally dancing, it, you know, it is significant. And it just shows that, you know, these kind of things, although it doesn't seem significant, they are very significant to, to these people. So apart from haircuts and something to eat, a space for people to gather, to communicate um, and feel welcome, what else does Humanity Unites offer? Are you taking into consideration that the, um, with the, the rough sleepers on the streets? Is there anything that you're doing for them with warm clothes? Yes, there is. Yeah. So we do offer um, a, a service where people can, can place orders with us. At, at one stage, uh, one of the community members had um, a warehouse that he let us have free of charge. And that warehouse is probably a couple of thousand square feet. And we put out appeals to people in the community to make donations. And that warehouse was full within mm. within a couple of weeks of, of donations. So what we did do was we'd take those items to the event. And literally, we, we saw people as if they were shopping. They'd pick up items, mm. they'd, they'd try a shirt on, they'd try some shoes on. Uh, and um, and basically help themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, you know, we obviously monitored it, making making sure nobody was taking advantage of it. But yeah, we, we did that sort of thing. So we provided um, clothing, sleeping bags to people if that's what they needed, uh, and food parcels as well. That's something else that that we do. So uh, we've got some connections through some of our members, at social services, and various schools. In fact, I've just very recently had. Uh, a request from a school um, for a food parcel, some nappies, and essential household items. Um, so when that kind of request comes in, we'd, we'd put it out on our um, Facebook page mm -hmm. or our contacts within our, our personal circle uh, to ask if people can donate and try and meet those kind of needs as well. So, so you mentioned uh, we a Facebook page. So could you share your Facebook page with our listeners this morning? Yeah, now we do, we are based, Luton, this radio show goes out, Luton surrounding areas, but we're also across Peterborough on Salaam um, Radio and Sheffield Link FM. And I don't know if they're a little bit more closer to you than we are in Luton, but I'm sure that um, there must be somebody who would be willing to support the work that you're doing. That, yeah, that'd be brilliant. So it is just Humanity Unites. If you search Humanity Unites on Facebook, that's, you should find us on there. There's actually another um, web page that I want to share with you, and it's called uh, burtons-homeless.co.uk. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
Now, what that does is that we've done that in collaboration with the local council, and that lists all of the services for homeless and vulnerable people, not just Fantastic. ourselves. There's mm-hmm. obviously a number of other organisations, YMCA, there's one called Burton Hope locally, there's a Burton Soup Kitchen, one of the churches does uh, regular events, and in fact, they've got their uh, Christmas meal on Thursday this week. Um, so that is a collaboration between all of the organisations, listing all of the services that are available mm-hmm. and how you can contact them and obviously offer your help for, for any of them. Now, with the present climate, there seems to be a little bit of anxiety and nervousness that um, service cuts uh, are going to really, really impact the most vulnerable in our society. How, do, how is that making you feel, Zahur, as somebody who is chairing Humanity Unites and who is actually in the core, the heart of the Burton community, helping the homeless? Um, well, it, it makes me feel as if we just need to step up, okay. um, and, and that is a conversation that we've had quite recently, obviously, with recent events that, that have happened in terms of elections, etc. Um, we've we've made a concerted effort that we need to, to, to really step up, uh, increase our engagement, obviously, by t- talking to people like yourselves, and maybe look at alternative ways of fundraising. Um, as I said to you, we are all volunteers uh, and do this out of our, out of our own time, uh, but we just need to... to offer more of our time to, to these people because I think it's going to be more and more needed as mm-hmm. time goes on. When you, when you talk of time, what is it about the time that needs to be offered? Is it communication? Is it engagement? Is it just getting out there and showing that you care? What is it, Zahur, that we, we need to do more of? So what, what it is, is, if you get in touch with an organisation like ourselves or any of the other ones that I've mentioned on, um, on that webpage that I mentioned, what you'll find is that People are very good at certain things. So we've mm-hmm. got somebody who's very good at looking after our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got myself who I can bring people together and get, get donations in and get contributions from businesses and, and, and other people. We've got somebody else that's very good at actually hands-on doing the cooking for us. Mm-hmm. So if you get in touch with any one of those organizations, I'm sure they'll find a niche that will suit your skill set at the same time. So right. a lot of the times what we find is that it really is a win-win by getting involved in, mm-hmm. in, in our organization. And the, the, there's one of the ladies, Sharon Wright, she does um, desserts for us and, and May Arthur, and they absolutely love doing the cooking. Oh, and not as much as we love eating them. But of course, they, they chocolate-flavored <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We've got chocolate in there somewhere. Uh, you know, so you know, we'll always try and find um, people's niche find what they're going to be comfortable doing. Uh, and it really will be rewarding because it's something they enjoy doing. And then obviously the, the benefits of the, of the people that are using their, their, their help is, is, is there to be seen. It does sound absolutely wonderful. And it's so heartwarming to hear the, the work that has been done by yourself and the wonderful volunteers. Now, what was really nice is I've shared the Humanity Unites video clip on my actual social media. And I just loved the fact that you had such a diverse group of volunteers, all ages, all different cultures, um, and, and just all backgrounds coming together. And that is what community is all about, right? So. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is one of the things we're very, very proud of. Uh, you know, the people that engage with it, they really are from all sorts of backgrounds. I mean, our event happens every Sunday in a mosque now. It happened previously in a, uh, in a community centre. Uh, you know, it's just wonderful to see. And you mentioned it happened in a mosque. Um, and it, also, do you also do events in churches too? Or is it just mosques? And community so centres. Our event is a weekly on, uh, in uh, Oxford Street Mosque in Burton-on-Trent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Churches uh, that we work with offer their services on a, I think it's a Tuesday and a Thursday at one of the churches. And also there's um, 
that's a night shelter that's opened up at St Paul's uh, Church in Burton-on-Trent. Right. So that's uh, run by the YMCA. So, as I said, we work across all of the different groups, make sure that we're not duplicating services and that okay. we are actually fulfilling the genuine need mm, by mm. engaging with all the different people across the different um, services on offer. So even if you did duplicate the service, I mean, that's extra help and support. Do you all, all the services kind of come together and collaborate in any way? Yeah, as I said, um, the, the initiative that's been set up by the council to bring us all together, um, so there's a regular meeting where okay. all the, uh, the services get together and discuss what we're offering. And you're absolutely right, even if they are duplicated, there's only more help mm-hmm. uh, that's out there for people. That, you know, mm-hmm. But in, in terms of our vision as volunteers, what we want to do is offer the help where it's most needed. Of course. Folks, if you've tuned in, you're listening to Shemiza taking all the way up to 12 o'clock on the Urban Cube. The time is at 10.51 and I'm speaking to Brother Zahur Hussein all the way from Burton-upon-Trent this morning, talking to us about a charity he chairs for called Humanity Unites. Now, Humanity Unites is uh, really reaching out to the most vulnerable people in the community in uh, Burton and they are really, really blessed and lucky to have the support of yourselves, Zahur, and many of the organisations out there. And may the work continue and strengthen. Now, Zahur, I want to ask you, how much does faith play in your role um, that you do at uh, Humanity Unites? It's it's very significant. I mean, there's a number of um, uh, sort of narrations that, that drive me to to want to do this more and more and I'm not I'm not particularly well versed but I, I know a couple of them are things like as a Muslim if your neighbor goes to sleep hungry mm. then you should be ashamed of yourself you should treat your neighbor as if it is yourself you know and there's there's many many examples like that in in the scriptures that that mean that we need to need to help people it doesn't matter what background they are uh, what circumstances they're in you just need to, to help people they don't have to be Muslim they don't have mm. to be from a Muslim country, etc. So, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely at the core of, of what drives me to do this. And you do this voluntarily? Uh, yeah, all of us, every single person that we've got within the organisation is a volunteer. Nobody gets paid. In fact, quite significantly, all of us make a personal contribution, financial uh, and personal in terms of time, uh, to do this. And again, that's part of our faith in that mm. uh, th- things like our zakat, our charitable contributions and other contributions in general um, you know, should be going to the most needy in our society. And is it, from what I recall, you're doing something around the 20, oh, Christmas, um, you're actually hosting a dinner for well, the homeless? We are, yeah, we are. Um, we do it every year. Um, uh, we do a New Year's event and we do uh, a Christmas event. And we always try to make it a little bit special, a little bit different, to make it seasonal, to make it feel as if people are included. We, you know, we'll offer um, raffle prizes and, and presents. and uh, is, you know, is biryani and on the menu? I'm not sure what this, this year's Christmas menu is, to be honest. But adding but a bit I'm of sure fusion, getting a bit of Brothers of Horrors vibe in there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You don't want to taste my cooking. You absolutely don't want any of my cooking in there. So I'll leave that to the experts in the uh, in the group. 
But it's absolutely fantastic that you're making that space available for um, at Christmas for the homeless community because that is a very, very lonely time for the elderly and um, rough sleepers and the homeless community too, um, where families are the, the disconnect there. So giving them that opportunity, that space to be invited and feel the warmth is really applaudable. Yeah, Absolutely, and I think you just touched on something there. And at the early part of the conversation, you mentioned where we want to go. Mm. That is one of the things that we want to possibly look at expanding into now that we've been going a couple of years. We're quite well established and we know uh, how to operate. We've got regular volunteers come in. We want to try and look at reaching out to maybe some of the elderly people in the community. And I think you Mashallah. mentioned somebody who'd mm. um, you know, been on their own for a significant amount of time. So that, you know, our sort of vision for, for the next year or so or, or, or longer is to try and reach out to, to maybe the, the elderly part of the community. And, and, and the other one that we haven't um, really managed to, to get into is, is, is the youth. That's another thing that we want to try and, uh, try and expand into. But um, one thing at a time, and obviously, as I said, being volunteers, it's, it's quite difficult. So if there is people that can come, come and help us in whatever way they can, then please do reach out to us. And it's the Facebook pages, Humanity Unites, uh, folks. So do do check them out. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Baba Zahur, joining us this morning. Um, thank you so very much for the work that you do. I'm wishing you a very prosperous year and may the work strengthen in connecting with communities. Thank you, so thank you. You're very, very welcome. That was Zahur Hussein, who's the chair of Human- Humanity Unites, uh, a wonderful uh, organisation based in Burton, um, reaching out to the most needy across the uh, um, Burton area. Folks, we're heading off to a break, and inshallah, after the break, I'm giving away tickets to the the Takeover is Back. It's a comedy tour by Human Appeal, so check this after the break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 11 o'clock, uh, Monday, 16th of December, and you're listening to Misha Miser Rashi taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on the Urban Cube Show. This morning, folks, we have had tremendous conversations with some real trailblazers across our community nationally. And I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking to the very awesome Naima B. Robert earlier on the show. And she read from her beautiful uh, collection of poetry and prose book, which was called Four Months and Ten Days, Poetry and Prose from the Idda. She also spoke to me this morning about her very interesting and very empowering masterclass and refining the D word. That's what the masterclass is all about. And this masterclass is basically to kind of empower and create mindset change amongst sisters who may be divorced. Now, this is, I feel, a very, very important area of discussion and also a very important area of coaching, possibly because the stigma around divorce is very prevalent as much as we we wish not not to believe so, but it is. And Naima B. Robert, mashallah, has created a m- online masterclass called Refining the D Word, which is happening on Friday. And you will need to register on that to, to kind of then get the free masterclass. So Naima joined us this morning and she also spoke about how to deal with anxiety if you're feeling that in the present 
climate um, because they, there is certain nerves amongst sisters and brothers and families who feel that they may be facing more intense Islamophobia. So Naima shared her own experience as a Nagabi, a very visible, visible, identifiable Muslim woman. She wears a full abaya and niqab. And she was just saying, if you... You just got to keep doing what you're doing. You've just got to keep getting out there. Um, we will be catching up with Naima B. Robert with her wisdom and her creativity on an hour special, inshallah, because there's never enough time with Sister Naima B. Roberts. Um, I, I do hope you enjoyed that interview, and that will be repeated 8 p.m. this evening. And you can catch it on Facebook and also the podcast that rolls out too. Also joined um, me on the show was Brother Zahur Hussein from Humanity United. Unites and Humanity Unites is a charity in Burton which basically works uh, on the ground with the homeless community and it was wonderful listening to him as a Muslim man and reaching out to the most vulnerable people in our communities and that is the rough sleepers, the elderly, elderly and also the homeless. So it was an absolute pleasure listening to him and how that charity is actually really creating change amongst their community. I'm also now joined by another fantastic guest who's really creating change in his life and lives of others around him too. He's a humanitarian, an activist, um, and also an educator. He was a former teacher, and now he's also um, somebody who's working very, very tirelessly and very selflessly with um, the charity Human Appeal. And he's going to be talking to us not just about the takeover is back, which is the comedy tour. It's in aid of the Winter Appeal, which is happening on Luton, 24th of December, folks. This is an exciting, light-hearted, comedic event with Ali Official, Artif Nawaz, Jeremy McCallan, Suk Ojla, Taz Ilyas and Nabil Abdul Rashid coming to Luton people on the 24th of December not to be missed and we're making it easier for you guys to do so and the way we're doing that because we're giving away free tickets yes people free tickets to attend this event what you need to tell me guys is name one of the comedy lineup on this exceptional panel of comedians and these are comedians that are actually really making their mark nationally on the international com- uh, the national comedy circuit as well so it's an absolute pleasure to have them coming to loosen in it that's what it's all about now i think you want to hear less of me and more of our dear brother who is inam malik now inam malik is actually also joining me on the show to talk about the trojan horse play which you may have heard me mention um, I spoke to Madia Madia um, Ansari about this and she was part of um, the community uh, reach outreach team now Trojan Horseplay has actually won the best Islamophobia awareness month partner it's won an award and the play has been written by Helen Monks and Matt Woodhead and it's been produced by Lung theatre and guys the play is actually coming to Luton as well so that's another exciting um, play coming to Luton but very poignant and I'm going to let brother Inam talk to us a little bit more about that play because he's on the line right now in Birmingham. Asalaamu Alaikum Inam. Wa Alaikum Asalaam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh Sister Shamaida how are you? I'm very well how are you brother this morning? Uh, I'm very well I'm good, thank you. Good, very much. good. How's Birmingham keeping you? 
Birmingham is keeping me on my toes. Lots happening in Birmingham. <laughs> uh, in Birmingham Sharif. <laughs> Birmingham Sharif. Birmingham Sharif. Yeah. Bless you. You have been very, very busy across this year doing your not just your humanitarian work, but your activism as well and working very, very closely with Human Appeal, traveling around the world. So it's lovely to have you back uh, with feet on the ground in Birmingham. But you're going to be coming to Luton, aren't you, brother, um, on uh, the 24th of December. Tell us why you're coming to Luton and what can we expect? So... Right now, Human Appeal have just kicked off their 19-city takeover comedy tour. It's our fifth year, and it's going to be the biggest ever. And we we were in Leeds a few nights ago, Glasgow as well. We were in Bradford yesterday. And we are coming to Luton on the 24th on Christmas Eve at uh, Venue Central in Luton, uh, which is on Lee Grave Road, as I'm sure all of you are aware. It's a fantastic venue. And um, it's always a fantastic show in Luton. We've got a fantastic lineup of comedians, as you mentioned, Atif Nawaz, Jeremy McLennan, Sook Oja. We've got Ali Official, uh, and we've got Tez Elias. We all know that Tez is, you know, mainstream comedian, absolutely phenomenal. So we've got a brilliant lineup. It's going to be a night full of laughter, uh, full of comedy. But essentially, it's it's for a great cause. It's for our winter campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which is to raise emergency winter kits for refugees mainly in Yemen, in Palestine, in Syria, in Pakistan, in Lebanon, in Somalia, and in Iraq. So uh, winter, you know, is very harsh uh, for most of these refugees. They live in tents. They're, the tents are collapsed with snow. They don't have uh, heating. They don't have regular food supplies. So what emergency pack provides, £100 can provide an emergency kit for one family of four to five individuals mm-hmm. and this will be coats gloves jackets socks um fuel uh, you know basic things that they need to survive the winter so as much as it is about fun and having an enjoyable time but it is for a good cause so i encourage everybody that's listening in from luton to please uh you know, show your support book your tickets on the human appeal website uh, you can go on to www.humanappeal.org.uk. All the information will be there. Right now, we've got a fantastic offer. It's uh, friends offer two tickets for £10 and five tickets for £25. So it's really cheap. Um, anybody can afford it. Come along. Have lots of fun. Bring your friends and family and support our cause. Can I tell you something funny, brother? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> We're giving some tickets away for free as well. Just just yeah. saying, hashtag, yeah? So, folks, we are also giving away free tickets. Um, you can actually catch that on the Rise and Shine show, inshallah, tomorrow morning. And Brother Khalil's show on um, the Children's Round will be tickets are going to be given away. And even the Urban Q people, we are going to be giving tickets on to this show. Because, it's, do you know what? We need a laugh, right? We so need a laugh, Brother Inam. What do you say? Definitely do. Oh, we definitely need a laugh. I mean... Um on Leeds, it was on, on Friday, we were in Leeds, and um, obviously we were all a bit dejected with the election results. Of course. And uh, honestly, I was down myself personally, and I was a bit concerned that, you know, the people coming on are going to be a bit down, a bit yeah. disappointed. But I think that the timing was perfect because we kicked off in Leeds, and all of the comedians were absolutely hilarious, and all the crowd was laughing, and, you know, the mood really changed. I think it was much needed, so we definitely need a laugh, and I think uh, this is a perfect... Uh, opportunity perfect timing for everybody to come and have their spirits lifted 
That's that's the right word you've used there. Get your spirits lifted, people, on the 24th of December. The takeover is back, and that is the Human Appeal Comedy Show 2019. And I just want to say, Sister Shumaira, just to add on to what you said, Inspire already, as you mentioned, giving giveaways. Mm. They already have the tickets, so uh, different shows are providing tickets, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. I want to thank Inspire FM for their continued support. Uh, supporting all of our human appeal projects. We really appreciate it. And obviously on our show, or your show, we're also giving away a couple of uh, complimentary tickets as well, which is absolutely fantastic. I like that. I like his selling technique there, guys. Now, the reason why you're good at that is because you have, um, I'm going to be kind of reflecting on your background. Now, mashallah, um, guys, if you've just tuned in, it is The Urban Cube, and I'm joined by Inam Malik. Now, he's a former head of modern foreign languages. He's a humanitarian, entrepreneur, and activist. And he is on the show this morning. So these are lots of different areas that I'm sure will inspire many of our listeners this morning. Now, if you have any questions relating to anything that we're talking about, please do get in contact with us on 077 Two. Now, the competition giveaway, folks, is two tickets on the Urban Cube for the takeover is back. And this is in aid of the Human Appeal Winter Appeal. Now, we're asking you guys is who's on the lineup? I might give away a clue or two away. Maybe Brother Inam might. You need to keep listening. And we will be rolling this interview all the way up to 12 o'clock because Brother Inam is going to stay with us, inshallah, because he's got lots to talk about. And coming back to your background, Brother, um, humanitarian work. Mashallah. Um, I have observed you on social media. You've been traveling to Pakistan and, um, you know, you travel quite consistently with the charity. Um, what is it that kind of fuels you to go out and give your time to the less fortunate? I think, um, first of all, I, I mean, I feel blessed and uh, honored to be part of a fantastic charity like Human Appeal. All, all charities out there do great work, but in particular Human Appeal. And uh, being a donor for many years at Human Appeal, having attended the events, to get an opportunity to work with them was absolutely fantastic. And it's been a, a great experience for me, and I can't thank the charity enough for giving me the opportunities to go out there and see firsthand the real uh, uh, you know, poverty and desperation that people face on a daily basis. To see that firsthand, to see the issues that people face is very heartbreaking. It has been quite emotional, but at the same time, it's heartwarming to know that Human Appeal, with the support of our UK donors, especially in Luton, are doing a fantastic job to lift people out of poverty and make a long-lasting difference in their lives. So it's honestly, it's made me very humble. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely humbled. Um, You know, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity, and it makes you reflect uh, on the fact that despite all the issues that we go through, Life is a challenge. We all go through challenges, but mm-hmm. we are so fortunate still. We have a roof over our head. We get fed twice or three times a day. You know, we live in a warm uh, warm house. We have family around us. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can be ungrateful. That's just the nature of human mm-hmm. beings. But mm-hmm. seeing uh, situations like this being put in a position like that where you see firsthand with your own eyes, you experience talking to beneficiaries on the ground, the struggles they go through, it makes you really... Uh, you know, grateful for what Allah, what God has given us. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, we're not always grateful for what we have. So for me, gratitude has been a big thing to be able to do. It's made me reflect on mm-hmm. how lucky and fortunate I am 
um, that Allah, what Allah has given me, what He has bestowed upon me, compared to all these people in different countries that I've met and the struggle they've gone through, subhanAllah, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate to see what these people are going through. But we have to remain positive and with everybody's continuous support, Human Appeal can continue to make a change. And linking it back to our comedy tour, we're looking to raise £1 million this year across 19 cities to provide thousands of families with emergency winter kits. So, you know, we're counting everybody's support to provide these refugees in Syria, in Palestine, you know, support in the winter so that, you know, they don't freeze to death and we mm. can save lives with your support. Inshallah, inshallah. Now, coming back to the takeover is back. It's the Human Appeal um, comedy tour show, which has been traveling across the country. And one of the cities is Luton. And that is the 24th of December, guys. We're giving away two tickets um, on today's show. Now, I want to ask you, folks, is who's on the lineup? Who is on the lineup of the comedy tour? Now, if you know the answer, you need to contact us with your name and uh, your your number on 077 79481822. Don't forget to include the answer as well. Now, I want to ask you, Inam, you've talked about positivity. You've talked about the need to kind of lift our spirits. Now, on the panel of com- comedians, do you have a favourite one? Is there somebody that really made you laugh out loud? and Or do you just pretend to make them all happy? <laughs> no, no, generally, I, I find Tez quite funny. He, he He's... His dry humour really appeals to He's me. a bit grumpy, isn't he, uh, on stage? But he's, he's kind yeah. of funny too. <laughs> no, no, he's funny. No, no, seriously. He's, he's, I love Tez. Um, I mean, the fact that he's been on Monday Night Apollo, he appeals mm. to and not just Muslim or Asian audiences, yes. but to, to non-Muslim white audiences as well. I mean, yeah. um, to, for a Pakistani comedian to kind of break through that market, Definitely. you have to be very good. Yeah, you know, yeah. So he's built up a lot of credibility. Obviously, the Tez O'Clock show was a fantastic. Mm. I'm not sure if you saw that. And then um, uh, Atif and Ali Official uh, did the Muslimic uh, um, uh, was in comedy series. Yes. Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. So all the comedians we have are fantastic. I find Suk Olja to be really funny. It was her first time. Oh wow! Appeal, so to see a female Asian comedian just cracking jokes about, you know, Asian culture, you know, how, how aunties perceive life to be in Britain, our moms and the expectations they have on their daughters and stuff. I thought it was hilarious. It was really mm-hmm. funny. Uh, Jeremy McLennan is, is quality as well. American I mean, he's comedian. a closet Pakistani, isn't he, Jeremy? Uh, you know, he's a closet he, Pakistani. He's a closet Pakistani. He was actually in Pakistan a couple of months ago. Um, so he loves Pakistan. Pakistanis love him. And uh, yeah, I mean they're all funny in their own uh, in their own way to be honest. With you. But Nabil the Rashid is also funny as well. Yeah, and he's been on mainstream um, so, television too. So you've got a fantastic yeah. lineup. So and you've kind of given away some names there, folks. If you didn't pick up any of those names, you're not <laughs> listening, are you? Now, um, great panel of uh, comedians on this show. So it's definitely worth attending, and even more so if you grab a free ticket from the competition that they were rolling out. So, folks, the Urban Cube with courtesy of Inam Malik from Human Peel we're giving away two tickets on the show this uh, this morning for the Takeover Comedy Show featuring some of the leading comedians that have actually broken through to the mainstream who've performed on television screen and stage 
grand places like the Apollo um, and have come to a screen to you as well or on this lineup. It's tremendous. And I absolutely am really quite enamoured by the fact, Inam, that these are really quite high profile comedians and yet they, they're coming back on this tour and on like on the festive holiday break too. Why would they do that? I mean, I think that uh, they, I mean, there was a fantastic relationship with Human Appeal. Uh, most, if not all of them, have, uh, you know, told it as before. For some of them, this is their fifth year. Mm. So in some ways, Human Appeal was that kind of platform for them to launch their career. So they ah. respect and uh, appreciate that as well. And uh, it's just a two-way thing, really, with the comedians. They understand, um, you know, how much of a difference they can make as well and how fantastic this tour is and how, what Human Appeal are trying to do. So... No, we we you know we thank the comedians for joining us year in year. You're right; they could be doing something else. Uh, it is a festive time. They could be, be you know, stuffing a halal turkey. You know, they could yeah, be doing that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but Christmas the... crackers, halal turkey, um, everything else. But no, um, no, they always look forward to this as well. Mashallah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. We're for, you know we're blessed to have them with us to be honest. As you mentioned, you know. They're the A-list uh, kind of mm. Asian Muslim comedians right out there on the market right now. So they're, they're, they're the best of the best. So to have them, that'd be fantastic. And this is the reason why three uh, of our shows have already sold out. Manchester sold out. Bradford was sold out. Leeds was sold out. And there's a number of other cities that are sold out. In mm-hmm. fact, I think almost every show will be sold out. So Luton, ladies and gentlemen, make, get onto that website your tickets or call into the studio, answer that question, uh, who's, who's a lineup of comedians, and grab your free tickets. In you arm, don't in arm it's my show. You don't want to miss out. In arm, it's my show. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah? yeah. This, is, this is the thing. I did tell you, I get a bit carried away. You know, when you give me an opportunity to speak, I get a bit carried away. All and you're great that at I that, do. though, aren't you? Because you are a public speaker. <laughs> you are a entrepreneur and who's doing extraordinarily well because you do train. Um, you've got a team of... Uh, of employees that you train and you do motivational speaks too as well so i can i can fully understand why you want the mic brother um and we're going to find out a little bit more about that so your you you know your interest in entrepreneurship um tell us a bit about that yeah um about four or five years ago um i always uh, liked the idea of uh, going into business mm-hmm. um but working full-time as a teacher, um, you know, I just uh, really know where to begin, what to do. Uh, traditional business, the cost of investment up front, you're looking at a lot of money, then the risk factor attached to it. So I was always open-minded into looking at things. So then I looked at a few opportunities and, you know, uh, I realized that the way forward is online, mm-hmm. uh, doing something uh, which is kind of almost risk-free mm-hmm. or has very risk, little risk attached to it, which is flexible, involves doing something online, which is the way the world was heading at the time. A lot of corporations, businesses going online. So um, through a friend of mine, uh, we decided to get involved in in, in network marketing four or five years ago, uh, direct selling, if you like, um, working in the industry of essential services, providing essential services for customers who need and use these services every day. And for me, it was just a side thing, just doing an additional income um, to supplement my full-time job with the view of, you know, five, ten years down the line, being in a position where I could be financially free as well as having mm-hmm. my time back, which enabled me to do the things that I that I love. Because I just couldn't see myself working 
full-time for somebody else until I was 65, 70. Yes. I wanted to break away from the from the mold, which were to, you know, go to school, college, university, although there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We should mm-hmm. do that. But then, you know, be an employee for the rest of your life. For me, you know, I, I couldn't see myself doing that until I was 65, 70. Hence why I started got involved with an online e-commerce business. And I've been doing that now for the last four or five years. So what it's advice me, uh, could you give them? I'm sorry, I'm going to let you finish off. Um, it's given you what? Brother in arm, you can say speak. that again, um, it's I, I cut you off there and you said the business has given you what? Um, no, so this has given me an opportunity to travel the world, mm. meet very successful entrepreneurs um, in Europe, uh, in the UK, um, you know, having a different mindset, uh, personal development, uh, meeting people who share the same goals and vision. Um, has been absolutely fantastic um, being introduced to uh, books, audios. It's helped me to become the person I am. You know, personal growth is very, very important. Mm. Um, you've got to invest in yourself. And when you surround yourself around successful people, um, you know, they've been through a journey themselves. So when you can take positive aspects from different people, it adds to to your own experiences and, and shapes you to become the person you are, which is a better person than you were when you started several years ago. So for me, it's been absolutely fantastic. Of course, we all want to make more money, mm. but it's not just about having extra money. It's about you know adding value to other people's lives. It's about becoming a better person. And uh, life is a journey. And I think if we all stay in the same position five, ten years from now, we haven't grown. That really is a tragedy. Mm. We have to develop as people be it through entrepreneurship, be it through other aspects of life, we have to continue this growth until we are no longer on this earth. And this is uh, very, very important. Some real interesting snippets of wisdom that you've uh, reflected there. And your personal journey and your growth is something that we're going to go into a little more depth after the break, because Brother Inam, um, you've kindly agreed to kind of stay with me on the show over the phone because... The charity, the Takeover Comedy Show, that's what it's called, but it's interesting as it kind of relates to your life as well. You like your comeback too. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about that comeback um, after the break um, because it revolves around a play, which interestingly is also coming to Luton because it's on a, a 2020 tour. And this is called the Trojan Horse play um the trojan horse tour which has um received a an award uh from mend in birmingham it's a commendable award um basically around the fact that um the play itself has been uh, significant in uh, islamophobia awareness and um the trojan play has has puts the spotlight on a scandal, really, um, which uh, revolved around a school that supposedly was being Islamified um, and uh, students were being radicalised and um, saw the loss of people's jobs, 
and a whole community being turned upside down. We're going to find out a bit more about that play from Inam straight after the break, guys. We're still rolling over the competition, which is uh, the Human Appeal. The Takeover is back. Comedy tour. Two tickets to give away for that. Tell us who's on the panel of the comedy lineup, and then those tickets will be yours. You need to message us on 07779481822 with your name. And it's the 24th of December, guys. And um, um, we will make sure those, you need to make sure you're available so we can get these tickets to you. Um, after the break, uh, still joined by brother Inam Malik, who is kindly joining me to talk about the Trojan horse play and the tour that is actually coming to Luton, mashallah. It's actually coming in January, the play itself. So do not go away, guys. Come back straight after the break where more conversations with Inam and I after this. Assalamu alaikum. On 105.1 FM, Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning, good morning, good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 11.30 exactly, Monday 16th of December and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking it all the way up to 12 o'clock on the final half an hour of the Urban Cube show. Now today's show has been full of interesting conversations as always. Um, it's been super inspiring. I've had the pleasure of speaking to Naima B. Robert earlier on in the show and she talked about her online masterclass redefining the d word which is about um empowering change changing the mindset of the stigma around divorce also had the pleasure of her reading a poem from her book four months and ten days poetry and prose from the idda plus we also had the very delightful brother zahur hussein from Burton and he spoke to us about his charity that he chairs called Humanity Unites and it's a charity that goes to the heart of the homeless community and provides um, soup kitchen food community conversations and also um, hygiene health care as well wonderful wonderful conversation that was had there now if you'd like to catch up with any of those conversations then the repeat of the show is 8 is 8 p.m this evening we also have a podcast going out um, straight after and so there's no reason to miss anything really is there now i've had also the great pleasure of speaking to a very delightful brother all the way from birmingham and he is no other than inam malik now inam is talking to me today about about the comedy Takeover by Human Appeal. Now, the Takeover is back, people. Five years running, and they're coming back to Luton on the 24th of December. Now, this is a comedy show like no other comedy show because you have the A-listers of comedians on this lineup from Ali Official, Artif Nawaz, Jeremy McKellen, Suk Ojla, Tez Ilyas, and Nabil Abdul Rashid. Now, they're names that you will recognize because of television and also the Apollo, the biggest showcase for comedians. Some of these um, comedians on this panel have actually been featured quite visibly. They have really broken through on the comedy circuit. So it's an absolute pleasure to have them coming to Luton. Now, the question once again is, folks, tell me, give me a name of one of the comedy lineup uh, folks that are, are showcasing on the 24th of December and you have a chance to win a pair of tickets and they're free. 
So it can't get better than that. Comedy, that's free. 07779481822. Do tell us um, your name, messages, and give us the right answer. And we look forward to handing those tickets over to you. The, the competition line will end by uh, 12 o'clock. So, you guys, you've got about 15 to 20 minutes to get those answers rolling on, rolling in. WhatsAppers, please. That would be great. Now, back to the show. As um, just before the break, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking speaking to brother Inam Malik, who is part of the Human Appeal um, Tour. And he's a humanitarian fundraising uh, who has travelled to many a country, providing support and assistance through his work, through his humanitarian work. He's the former head of modern foreign languages. He's also a very successful entrepreneur and an activist. Now, earlier on, we spoke about him as part of the comedy show, show, show. And he also mentioned his role as an entrepreneur um, on, in online e-commerce, which was very inspiring. But now we're going to be talking about another takeover. He is coming back um, to share with us uh, a play call about the play called Trojan Horse. Now, you would have heard of this play because I've spoken to uh, Medea Ansari um, couple of weeks ago but she was a community engagement officer you may have also heard um, Imrana Mahmood who is a, uh, a creative producer who was actually on for a, a local Luton lady who's also one of our um, broadcasters on the show on the book club show who was also on the panel at Battersea Arts Centre for the play Trojan Horse play um, And I'm now going to be sharing some delightful news. The fact that the actual play itself, which has been written by Helen Monks and Matt Woodhead and produced by Lung Theatre, has received the Best Islamophobia Awareness Month Partner and Award in Birmingham. Um, And this is wonderful news because they have been recognised as actually making people aware of Islamophobia through this play but it's not just about raising islamophobia this play is about the lives lives of innocent teachers children community that were embroiled in a scandal a whole school was embroiled in a scandal and um which i'm going to be speaking to inam about because inam has quite a strong connection with the actual play as he happens to be the one of the teachers that was part of this scandal. So this is quite a um, quite a poignant conversation I'm going to be having with Inam. Um, Inam, assalamu alaikum, and thank you for patiently waiting on, on the line because you are on the phone this morning. Thank you for joining us on Inspire FM. Welcome, assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Shemaiza, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning and assalamu alaikum to all the listeners. Hope you well inshallah and our listeners today mashallah not just Luton surrounding areas they're also Peterborough Salam Radio and also um, Sheffield Link FM so salams to all the wonderful listeners on those stations before we go on to the Trojan Horseplay I want to ask is any of the tours that you're doing with Human Appeal um, the comeback comedy comeback show going to Peterborough or Sheffield um, Sheffield on, uh, on this Wednesday so we're not in Peterborough this year. Uh-huh. Uh, we are in Sheffield this Wednesday. And as mentioned already, Luton on the 24th at Venue Central. 
Fantastic. Now, what I want to say is, I know these tickets are for those folks that are actually in Luton, but if you're listening in from Sheffield and Peterborough and you want the tickets, I'm sure we can get your name on the list if you've won the competition. <laughs> and the reason why I've made you speak in Urdu, Brother Inam, is because that was your specialism as um, as a teacher at uh, the because you were former head of modern for, uh, foreign languages, and Urdu was your thing. head of modern foreign languages school Urdu Mashallah, mashallah. And subtitle that now? Speaking Urdu and English. <laughs> well, well, you gave us a bit of a taster there, but you are going to be telling us a joke in Urdu very, very shortly. So I hope our listeners are, are ready for that. But we're, we're being quite jolly, mashallah. And we are being quite um, um, entertaining this morning. But on a serious note, this is a comeback for you as well, isn't it, brother Inam? Yes, uh, you could kind of say that it is a comeback uh, from... Uh, you know, a very dark and, uh, period of my life, um, probably the most difficult period of my life, you know, feeling almost helpless, uh, you know, feeling kind of uh, scared, alone, um, almost terrified, but uh, kind of digging deep and, and uh, digging, you know, fighting through everything. And, uh, you know, three, four years later, here I am talking to you. Talking to me about why, what I want to find out is if we step back four years ago, what is it that uh, we are discussing here, brother? Um, I've talked about the Trojan horse play and I've mentioned comeback from that. How's your link with this play? So, um, <clears throat> myself, I was a um, head of modern foreign languages at Parview School, which was at the center of Trojan Horse. So Trojan Horse uh, was a scandal that took place in 2014, um, whereby it was a local story that hit the national press, um, and it was you know accusing hardline Muslim teachers and governors of plotting extremism in Birmingham schools. So essentially, that was the um, that this the story that was being spun in the media everywhere, locally and nationally. It was headline national news. You know, it was a big story to be honest with you. So I was at Parkview School, which was at the centre of all of this. As I mentioned, ahead of modern foreign languages, very successful teacher, an outstanding teacher, graded outstanding by Oxford. You know, producing outstanding results, had um, aspirations and ambitions of being a head teacher. Unfortunately, caught up in in the middle of this, along with a few other senior leaders. And uh, to cut a long story short, because I know that I'm going to be back in January talking in more depth about this, I don't want to give too much away, but Inshallah. I then was accused of promoting extremism or undue religious influence, which is the umbrella allegation um, for all, of, all the teachers that were involved. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2015, we uh, had a trial at the or court case at the DFE headquarters in Coventry, which lasted two weeks, which uh, was covered by the local <clears throat> and national media on a daily basis. In 2016, in February, I was given a life ban from teaching a career that I absolutely loved, that I gave my, my heart to. And uh, that same year, I then took my case to the High Court, and I was the first teacher in the Parkview Educational Trust to have his ban lifted by the judge based on procedural impropriety, meaning that the judge said in my 
uh, in the verdict, uh, the reasoning behind lifting my high court ban, the life ban, that the uh, the prosecution team deliberately withheld key information or, or didn't fail to provide disclosure that would have been in my favor and, and that would have given the panel that gave me the life ban a full overview of the case. Therefore, he felt uh, that I should have been banned and he lifted my high court ban. This was in 2016, um, October. So your name is clear? Yeah, so my name is clear in terms of, uh, I, you know, technically I can go back into teaching. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, everything that I've been through, uh, being exposed in the media, being accused of things I didn't do, um, you know, and the mental stress, the emotional stress, the financial loss, none of that has... Uh, been recuperated. I haven't had any compensation. I haven't received any apologies. Um, So although I've moved on with my life, but I haven't had closure, Mm -hmm. the closure that I need, um, to be honest with you. So, and this is why, you know, the Trojan Horse play is so powerful, so important and so needed, especially in today's climate, Mm -hmm. to talk about issues like the Trojan Horse, to talk about real cases of Islamophobia and to have that conversation, that dialogue with people across the country to get people to think about issues like this. And we will continue this. As you mentioned, uh, the place coming to Luton. We've got a second tour coming up, which I'm really, really excited about. And uh, it's absolutely fantastic that something like this has taken place to, you know, provide a different narrative Mm. to give us a a voice to the people, Mm. to allow us to express our views, for people to listen to the other side. Because... At that time, it was just one-sided, wasn't it? If you remember, of course. it was just one-sided, and this is all what people were, were being fed. So it's a kind of refreshing um, to to know that the other side um, is being shared now, and people are beginning to realise that this was all a farce. This was a abs- this was a scandal um, that took place. This is the biggest DFE scandal in the history of education that destroyed livelihoods of people, destroyed a school destroyed a community and you know generations of kids uh, that uh, were succeeding um, through Parview School and the education that Parview School was providing ever since Trojan Horse took place the results have gone downhill so, so many other generations of kids will be failing now and it's going to take a long long time probably the school will probably ever never ever get back to the position that it was to be honest with you and being a a former teacher being from that community, that's very painful and, you know, very upsetting to know that all the hard work that we did uh, was ruined um, due to this scandal that took place. Now, the Trojan Horse tour, the play itself, has been touring across the country. The tour had ended, but there's been a revival of continuing it after 2020. And that, I believe, is because of the public interest and demand to see this. Now, what's absolutely fascinating is you are going to be, the tour itself um, will be coming to Luton at the Hat Factory, 29th of January. So tickets will be going on sale to, for this performance, um, which hopefully will see you as part of the panel um, uh, so that uh, the general public can actually ask you those questions in reference to the actual play itself. Um, tell me, Inam, how has the experience been like for you watching the play? Is it 
a reflection, a true reflection of what actually happened, because I understand the dialogue or the it's verbatim theatre. So that it was 200, it was from 200 testimonies um, from witnesses. And it was created and written by not Muslim writers, but um, white, young theatre producer writers by the name of Helen Monks and Matt Woodhead. How did you get involved? And is it a true reflection? Um, okay, so the play itself um, is adapted over from over 200 hours worth of inter- interviews over two years. Wow. And essentially, Trojan Horse tells a human story behind the headlines mm. of the 2014 government inquiry. And, uh, you know, honestly, it will leave the mind racing and the heart pounding as was uh, written by one five-star review. Mm. And the play itself last year was shown the f- uh, for the first time at the uh, Fringe Festival. Yeah, and it won awards. And uh, I, it won an award. I was actually there at the Fringe. Mm. And that was the first time that I saw the play. And uh, the first time that I saw the play was um, was very emotional for me. I broke down to the interview uh, mm. because <clears throat> I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, mm. we were involved in the... Uh, for the two years in the interviews, talking to uh, Matt and Helen, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect in the play right. I would come across. But, uh, I mean, aside from being emotional, and uh, uh, it was upsetting to see mm. because it was, obviously there's an actor that plays myself, an amalgamation of myself, mm. and another brother was one for us, who you know. Mm. So seeing my lines, is, as you mentioned, is verbatim, scenes in my classroom, we just brought it all back. You know, you you kind of move forward, and then suddenly you go back in time, and you put yourself back in that position, and it is quite traumatic. Um, it was traumatic seeing the play. Uh, it was made me very emotional, but at the same time, it gave us the opportunity to kind of uh, have some peace as well. At the same time, watching the play, and then the post show panel talking about the play, uh, although it was difficult, but at the same time, it it was. He gave us an opportunity to talk about things and, and, and let things off our chest, which was uh, very helpful, I feel. How did this play come about? Matt and Helen, I don't know who they are, but for me, they're real heroes. You know, the, the, the commitment, the care, and the courage that these two amazing individuals have shown over the last two, three years to put all their careers on the line because this could have gone either way. It, it was, was a risk because you had all the cards stacked against you, really. Yeah. Think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a political play, mm. see, uh, covering such a highly political uh, subject, you know. So the fact that they took it on, I mean, it shows how much courage that they have and how much they care and, you know. But why, want people considering, Inam, that you'd been through such... A horrendous time. Why would you then trust Helen and Matt to kind of take the lead of your story? What made you want to trust them? That's a good question. Um, to be honest with you, at the time I had been, I was banned for life from teaching. Mm. Um, sorry, I had, um, you know, my life ban had been lifted, and at the time, uh, so people knew that. Hang on, his life ban has been lifted. He can now go back into teaching. So, like, all of this that he's been through, this is this surely must be nonsense, like what happened. So people yes. were beginning mm. at the time to start asking questions, and the momentum or the shift was slowly beginning to change in our favor, if you like, mm-hmm. having been 
started for two years and having the kitchen sink thrown at us, if you like, through the media uh, for two years, through the DFE, Ofsted, and it was just one-sided, to now, you know, I create, you know, my, my story of being, my lifespan being lifted caused shockwaves to be answered you. Uh, it really made people question, well, okay, what happened here? So when these guys find, found out, they actually contacted a brother called Tahir Alam, who was the chair of governors, a part of the Educational Trust, and uh, they met him in uh, in the first instance. When they heard the story from him, they realized then that they had to they had to uh, show this through a play. So Dahir put them in touch with me. Uh, initially, I had a phone call conversation. I was like, who are these guys? I don't know who they are. Can I trust them? But I said, look, you know what? I'm willing to give them a go. I invited them to my home. We spoke. And they actually, I remember they sat here in my home for about six or seven hours, and it was just through that six or seven hours talking to them, asking them lots of questions. I just felt my intuition told me that mm-hmm. these are people that I could kind of have some faith in and just mm-hmm. trust. And I just went with my gut mm-hmm. because I had nothing to lose. And I was looking for uh, an opportunity to share my voice, go out there, speak up. And if these guys were willing to do that for me, then for me it, made, it just made sense to support them with everything that they needed. Um, obviously, I, I, the trust then began to grow as my journey, my relationship with them began to strengthen through the countless meetings that we had, through the countless phone call conversations we had, you know, the relationship became stronger and the trust started to grow and um, I just felt that they were genuine people. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously when the play was shown, that was the kind of confirmation, if you like, that, yeah, it was all worth it, all these two years that we've spent hours upon hours, days upon days, meeting, talking to these two individuals, it was worth it. And the fact that the play won the Amnesty International Freedom of Expression Award and Fringe First Award in 2018 was just an icing on the cake and deserved, uh, you know, these guys deserved that because of the hard work that they put in. And that accolade uh, does make people take notice. You know, there are awards that sometimes, okay, you've won an award, right? And, but this accolade did make people sit up and take note. Yep, it did, because initially, uh, when they approached uh, several prominent theatres in Birmingham and other places, they didn't want to know. They felt it was too political Mm. and it was too much of a risk. But because of the award, Mm. it changed the whole narrative. Some of the theatres were there, the CEOs of the theatres were there, and they were very impressed with the reviews and having seen the play with their own eyes. And they then, um, you know, were interested in taking the play. And fast forward a year, um, they just, I think they did 50 showings up and down the country, including two-week uh, two run at the Battersea Arts Centre. Mm-hmm. It came to Birmingham at the MAC, which is a prominent theatre, uh, you know, place uh, in Birmingham. We did four shows there. They were all sold out. In fact, they were sold out six four to six weeks in advance and the and the Mac in Birmingham has never ever sold out a show. Wow. And they've never shown a play more than once. Mm-hmm. So this had four showings in fact So I who was, was on, so, sorry, go ahead. If it was on for two weeks, it would have been sold out for two weeks. And there were so many people that messaged me, messaged others that were so disappointed that they didn't get to see the play because it was sold out. So God willing inshallah it will come back to the Mac hopefully at some point next year. Yet to be confirmed though. But let's see I'm confident that 
Yeah, come back to Birmingham. Okay. Those people that didn't see the play. Now, you, Luton listeners do get a chance to see the play because the play is actually coming um, to the Hat Factory on the 29th of January. And Inam is going to be actually joining me live in the studio just before the showcase of uh, the theatre production, inshallah. But what's very, very significant is the fact that you're actually on the 7th of January, you're taking it to the Houses of Parliament. How do you feel about that? Yeah, <clears throat> it's surreal. Shumaila, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know. I'm uh, excited. Uh, I'm kind of, I, I still can't believe that it's happening. If you said to me four years ago when I was embroiled in all of that, at the center of all of this, uh, there's going to be a play about Trojan Horse. It's going to sh- highlight, uh, you know, you're going to be an actor performing your role. It's going to be an award-winning play. It's going to be at the Fringe, and then a year later, there's going to be 50 showings across the country. It's going to come to Birmingham. The play will be performed at Parkview School or oh Navy Centre wow. in the school vicinity. It's going to go to Parliament on January the 7th. It's going to win so many awards. I would have said, are you feeling okay? Like, go get yourself checked out. Mm. I would never have believed that. Mm. But it just goes to show that, you know, when you're, uh, when you're facing tests and trials and you feel that, you know, you feel almost helpless and you feel everything's against you and there's no hope, but it's about knowing that, you know what, they plan and Allah plans, but Allah is the best of planners. And look at look what's happened now. You know, the awareness, this play, so many other things that are coming out. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay, we may not have had closure, we've not had an apology, our mm. careers were ruined. But this is some uh this gives us some sort of hope, uh and gives us an opportunity, a platform, a vehicle to go out there and share that story. And four years ago this wasn't the case. So I'm really excited and honestly just so happy about this. Mm. I can't wait to go to Parliament. Because there was a and, petition, and wasn't there, to change the, um, the the wording of Islamophobia or turn it around. And how successful was yeah. that petition that was going to be shared, to, well, taken to Parliament? Um, it, it's still ongoing, mm. uh, the petition is. Um, it, it's still ongoing, it's been shared. But, you know, um, it's difficult uh, to, to get something like that uh, kind of... Um, you know, we can all support uh, petitions like this, but you know, um, when you're up against the establishment, mm-hmm. um, it's very difficult um, to kind of uh, create that massive mm-hmm. momentum, if you like. But the fact that uh, this play is going to Parliament, this is a punch in the nose for some of those MPs um, that were behind this. And I hope that Michael Gove, the real Trojan horse, is there on January 7th, but somehow I think he was I think he's that. dealing with Stormzy at the moment on Twitter. There's a battle of wits on Twitter at the moment, which is quite funny. I've been observing that. Yeah. And you know what? Stormzy needs to go into comedy. Totally. Brother, <laughs> we are heading to the end of the show. And inshallah, we're going to roll the competition onto the Rise and Shine show, guys, for these um, tickets for the tour. It's been an absolute pleasure, Brother Inam, for, join, for, you guys, for you to join us this morning. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You are going to be live in the studio with us. Um, after the Parliament showcase. I'm so excited about that. Thank you so much, Brother, for joining us. Can I just say quickly, Shumaiza, the, the recent award, I just want to mention... Uh, wait, wait, it's the end um, of the show, my brother. It's the show's oh, ended. We're at the end of it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at Inspire FM Luton.